0: Hi, this is Devin Joshua, groovy general manager here at Judd's Hill. Now, Judd, why am I doing this again? Can't you see I'm busy running a winery?
1: And a fine job you're doing, too. But, uh, you know, you're doing great. Just read it how I wrote it. We'll be done in a moment.
0: Today's show features former Napa police chief turned star of the musical stage, Dan Monez. He's got a great story and has had quite a journey in life. You're going to dig this. Before we get to the show, I'd like to invite you to come see me... Judd and our amazing hospitality team here at Judd's Hill. We'll show you a good time among the vines at the south end of the Silverado Trail. Visiting information can be found at Judshill.com. While on our website, be sure to have a look at the recipes, poetry, and quirky videos. Also, check out our bottle blending day camp to make your own wine with us. Be sure to put some wine in your shopping cart too. As a special treat, For you as a listener, type in coupon code JNVS at checkout and get 15% off your entire order. For an even better deal, sign up for our Judd's Hill Wine Club. It's free to join, and you'll get all of the wines as well as invitations to great events and plenty of other perks. Enjoy the episode of Judd's Napa Valley Show.
1: Well done, sir. I'm going to put you in for a raise this year. Sounds good to me.
0: And now,
2: here he is. Napa Valley's ambassador of good times and fine wines, John Vingelstein. Get ready for another heapful of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No
0: stale script and no rehearsing.
2: Live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show, on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now, live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. And here's the gentleman celebrating 25 years of Judd's Hill. <laughs> Judd Finkelstein. <laughs> <Thanks>. Congratulations,
1: Judd. <laughs> Thank you, Lorne Mole. That was a that was a, a nice greeting this morning. Thanks. Yeah, it's 25 years of our family's uh, winery Judd's Hill. We're very exciting. Excited. It it seems still new to me though. I mean, the family, we've been making wine, you know, about 40 years actually, about the time I could stand up and squash a grape. I was stepping on grapes, starting off in a garage and Became a hobby that got out of hand. So, 40 years of winemaking, 25 now with Judd's Hill. And thank you for the congrats. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And here's to many more. Thank you, sir. What
2: are you up to? Well, we got the A's game coming up on the September 20th. I'll be performing, take me out to the ball game with my other friends from Everybody's a Star. We're playing against the Phillies.
1: Yeah, a little interleague play, and you're doing...
2: Uh, we're, we're singing Take Me Out to the Ballgame.
1: During the actual seventh inning stretch? Absolutely. I think we established it. That's good. Yes. And this is for Everybody is a Star. Yes. And you can find out more about this organization at everybodystar.org. Yes. Give it, give it a little plug. I know we talk about it often, but go ahead. So the website is
2: everybodyisastar.org. You can actually see my video on there whenever you want. I'm covering Michael Wu Blaze. I just haven't met you yet.
1: It's a wonderful video. Oh, it is. And the organization itself is dedicated to...
2: Helping special needs youth make music videos.
1: Yeah, get into um, entertainment, be musical. It's it's wonderful. It is. I, I I know. And and what you've done through it is pretty astounding. That video is is excellent. So everybodystar.org. Go look at Lauren's video. And other videos up there, too, with some really cool uh, musical youth. Well, there you go. There we have it. Anything else happening? You auditioning for any roles?
2: I'm kind of taking a break now. Anything been going on with you, Jud?
1: Well, as you said, we celebrated our uh, 25th. We've oh, been yeah. celebrating it all year, actually. Yeah. Just starting the, uh, the harvest. It's our 26th harvest as uh, Judd's Hill had a little harvest party over the weekend. Right on. In fact, our, our guest who's sitting here made an appearance and was very happy to have him here. But he's just sitting here right now. He's, he's, he's waiting to say something. We'll ask him if he had a good time. Why don't you give him an introduction? Sure, Judd. Uh,
2: hang on a second.
1: Uh, Got your intro ready there, huh?
2: Yes. He's a well-known and talented man who's proved not to be a flash in the pan. (laughs) On stage, he holds our attention span, playing it for laughs or perhaps the straight man. And I'll tell you as quick as I can that I am certainly a fan. Now let's meet him because it's about time that our show began. So let's welcome Mr. Monez,
1: or as we call him, Dan. Hey, Dan Monez. How Good are you, morning. Sir? Good morning. Good
3: morning. <laughs> Good, morning. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Judd. How are you? Thank you for having me.
1: Great, great. Thanks for being here. You're no stranger to this studio. You no. you used to have a show here. Yeah, it's kind, you of, yeah, it's kind of odd
3: here. being on this side of the table. We did it on that side of the table for... Quite a few years off and on as a fill-in host and doing shows like yours, and it was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, it's kind of fun being back.
1: Yeah, well, I'd love to hear some stories about working here. I have you on primarily to talk about your acting career. You are now star of the stage here in Napa Valley and throughout Northern California, really. The the musical stage, i should say, it's not just dramatic acting that you do, but also you sing. You dance. You can do comedy. You've really uh, you be- become a sensation around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: don't know about the star part, but I do enjoy it. And and luckily, uh, I've been fortunate enough to get some really great roles working for some great theater companies throughout the North Bay. And yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's I learn something every time I do a role. I, I meet great people that I wouldn't meet otherwise. Mm-hmm. The audiences are always wonderful. There's always that great immediate feedback you get when you do stage. And you know, I've done a little bit of uh, uh, TV commercials and and things like that. And they're they're good and they're you know they're fun mm-hmm. but uh, you just don't get that feedback and it's it's so you know when you do a, a stage show it's it's really putting your sh- Putting yourself in the shoes of another person for the first time in your life, seeing the world through someone else's eyes, and actually being able to tell a story from start to finish, uh, with, and with this immediate feedback, it's just a uh, an amazing process. And Lauren knows he's done shows. It's, yeah, Lauren's it's,
1: quite the thespian as well.
3: It's uh, it's fun, and I know you do music, and and it's similar. I mean, you you know, you do a song, and the audience just reacts, and it just just inspires you to do more it's wonderful
1: yeah it's it's an amazing feeling have you had you always been into this did you grow up in an artistic home not at all no. no I
3: grew up on a farm in Sussoon Valley just across the hill over here by Fairfield Oh, <clears throat> no so I did do I did no theater in, in high school I was a jock played football right I don't even know if we had a theater uh, where I went to high school I don't recall ever seeing any shows oh uh, I remember seeing my sister in a show when I was really little she did the Mikado and I, I remember the costumes and the, mm. the executioner with the sword I thought that was really Really cool you know i was like nine years old so uh but that's that was the extent of my family theater experience my parents weren't theatrical at all and so didn't and went to college uh did not do theater in college just studied and and then began working got married had family you know the whole thing and yeah, so and then uh this happened and <laughs> you got into
1: it later but so then what was your thing as a child you said you were on a farm yeah you were what were you doing driving a tractor picking yeah fruit. all those what things your... yeah we
3: had we had uh, a number of family fruit farms some in napa when this was prunes so, our, up by where Trefethen is right now, we leased a whole big uh, prune and walnut ranch up there and had a fruit stand on Highway 29. And I oh, remember wow. working there with my mom. Uh, we had a series of little fruit stands on major highways throughout the North Bay area, and my dad sold fruit to supermarkets and the produce markets in San Francisco. Uh, it was table fruit. We didn't do you know the we didn't do wine grapes. We did table grapes. Right. We did prunes, peaches, pears, plums, uh, pretty much anything that people bought for their for their home consumption. And it was a great business for a long time and then sort of the corporate farm started and mm. started buying up a lot of the little farms and a lot of the regulations changed to favor the more corporate farms that people especially that could could do irrigation my dad pretty much dry farm most oh, of the I stuff see. so they had size regulations for instance you could have a perfectly good peach that was sweet and wonderful but you couldn't sell it because it wasn't big enough and oh, that was really? to favor the people in southern california mainly that had our water oh. and uh, were able to get the big huge bloated peaches that tasted like nothing but they were beautiful anyway, right right uh, uh, don't get me started don't get me started <laughs> and uh, so we're my, here we got an hour to fill yeah. if you want to get started so uh, my dad got pretty disgusted with it and, and ended up selling the ranches we also had a trucking company that produce for farmers so he did that too and then he finally sold the whole thing and we moved away for a short period of time to San Jose and did it my dad and mom ran a gift a gift store and then came back to Fairfield and that's where I ended up you know graduated from college and went off or graduated from Napa College and then went off to Cal State Hayward and that was it
1: and then that's that (laughs) that was
3: it that was and then went to work started working in the police department in Berkeley
1: that's it you you had been a police officer for
3: 33 and a half years.
1: And 17 of those were as our very own police chief right here in Napa.
3: Right here in downtown Napa.
1: Yeah, what attracted you to that line?
3: You know, that's a good question. Uh, I think I, I got into it actually got into it sort of on a fluke but i always had an interest in law enforcement uh, even as a kid uh, when we had the fruit stands mm-hmm. a lot of the sheriff's deputies and highway patrol officers would come by and kind of you know my mom was a very attractive lady uh-huh. and they would always be there and hang out and drink <laughs> apple cider and you know visit and so um i would asked if i could sit in their police cars and they would generally let me and i would pretend like i was chasing bad guys the, and i remember sitting in those cars and just being enthralled by that whole thing but anyway, so then I kind of you know left that and did my own thing and went to college. I was a political science major. Was mm-hmm. planning on being a school teacher. Uh, my senior year, I ran out of money in school and my parents weren't going to give me any more money and I'd already used one student loan so I thought you yeah, know I better get myself a job yeah. and I remember sitting in the student union at Cal State Hayward reading the chronicle and there was an ad that just jumped out at me from the Berkeley Police Department wanting to hire what they called trainees you had to be a full-time college student yeah. they guaranteed Check. to work their your schedule around your college classes the the idea was they wanted you to be in college Berkeley at that time was the only police department in the nation that required a college degree oh, to no become kidding. a cop yeah. So they really is that common now? I'm sorry to n- me. It's that, but. Uh, it's not common that it's um, it's mandatory, but it is pretty much. It is mandatory, but it's not written as mandatory in most departments. Most departments I mean, do want college. Yeah, you grads, do. At least okay. two years. Okay. But l- most of them want four years. All right. Um, so you so anyway, met so these I, qualifications. So I said, this is, and the pay was wonderful. It was like $4 an hour. It was great. Oh, my goodness. This is 1972, you know, or right. 70, <laughs> 70 yeah, 71 probably. All right. And so I applied, but which I didn't know was that you had to go through the whole testing process to be a police officer to become a trainee. Oh, so it was a long process. I'm getting kind of frustrated. This is taking forever. I just wanted a little part-time job.
1: You wanted your $4 an hour. Yeah.
3: Ultimately, I passed everything, and they hired me as a trainee, and I worked in dispatch, um, primarily doing police radio stuff, which I really enjoyed. And then when you turned 21, if you if you were interested and they had openings, you could petition the chief to become a peace officer. So, after Hmm. I worked there for a little while and then got finished with college, I petitioned the chief and became a police officer and uh, stayed there for a few years. Interesting times in Berkeley in the 70s. Yeah, I would imagine. couple riots right away uh, so i was you know had a had a baptism by fire for sure wow what, and, what
1: was maybe your first experience where you, you oh, were the, thrust into the this? first riot was what did a, that feel like bizarre
3: it was bizarre I, I had never seen people act the, i mean i grew up on a little farm in fairfield yeah in susun valley you know i mean i mean i'd never seen people act this way before now i'm in berkeley and there's, just, there's all this stuff going on and i was it was pretty frightening i can remember being you know it was a feeling of Things are out of control here. What's what's going on? And, and just you're seen, put right into yeah, say, you're, yeah. You're in these you know, these little squads. These from, they're called yeah. Oh. And I saw police officers react in ways that I'd never seen police officers react. And you know, I learned quickly that when you're in a mob. It, even if you're a cop, you begin to take on that mentality. Mm. It's that anonymity of being able to do things and people don't know who you are and the anger and the frustration and the fear. So it was a good learning experience for me, but not something I'd want <laughs> I'd want to do on a regular basis.
1: No, I would imagine not. In fact, I can completely relate. My college job is I worked at a uh, concert venue
3: uh-huh.
1: and I'm 19 years old and, you know, I'm not all that big right now. I was even <laughs> s- more <laughs> slender and skinny back then. So they put me my first day on the job front and center aisle of Ozzy Osbourne's OzFest oh and said, make sure nobody that's not supposed to be in this section Gets doesn't this get through. Oh, so, so I can completely relate to what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, I can understand. That would be... <laughs> Maybe not completely. <laughs> it's pretty close. Didn't turn into a full ride, but Ozzy did come out and say, the only rule tonight is no rules. <laughs> oh, and wonderful. I said, oh, here I go. And I got I got swamped. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. Of, of course, people were not really mad at me or hurling things. No. Or, but if you're in their you way, know. they're mad at you, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a little sarcastic with the relating, but I can't yeah. imagine. So, no, that, that was an
3: interesting process. I And I mm-hmm. stayed there for a few years and then decided that uh, that really wasn't my cup of tea. I wanted a different kind of law enforcement experience. Yeah. So, I went to work for the Solano County Sheriff's Department in uh, Fairfield and Vallejo and did that for 12 years and moved through the ranks, became a lieutenant. And it was very interesting working for a sheriff's department, very different from a police department. You know, sheriff's department has different uh, jobs, uh, police department has pretty much Law enforcement, that's what they do, and you know, we do prevention and things mm-hmm. like that. But in the sheriff's department, you had the courts, so I was a bailiff for a little oh, while. Sure. That was interesting learning the court system and meeting the attorneys and the prosecutors and the judges. Uh, and then they have a civil division, which was really interesting for me as a cop doing serving civil process and learning oh. that the you know, courts can order. It, I'll have to tell you one story that just the first time I did this, I couldn't, I thought that my boss was playing a joke on me. He says, Dan, here's a paper I want you to serve at Joe's, let's say, Joe's Billiard Hall. Joe's business, and uh, so I'll go serve this. So I look at it, and it says I'm supposed to go in, open his cash register, and scoop out all the money, and take all the money, and leave. And I said, "Wait a minute, hold on. Wait a minute. That's a that's, that's a robbery. I, I'm supposed to what? You know?" And, and he goes, "No. The, this is a call. It's 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 called a till tap, and the court has ordered this to for him. This guy is." behind on a judgment and this to satisfy the judgment the court has ordered that you go into his business and tell and do this every day until this judgment satisfied and scoop out all the money in his cash register and give him a copy give him a receipt of course you know count it out give him receipt well how did joe react to that i oh they were the people i got more fights and hassles doing civil papers than i ever did on the streets being a regular cop ah. i mean people you start taking away people's livelihood and sure. then we would also put receivers in business where you would come in and close down a business and say we're taking over the entire business you're out of here get out oh, of your business wow. you know and these are people that are already desperate mm-hmm. they're having financial difficulties they're you know been sued by everybody or take people someone's car or say take some you know and you know are serving divorce papers and kick out orders where you show up and it was always you know you'd always they'd say what, what's the best time to serve the paper and, and it was like always right after dinner so you'd come to the house and the, the usually was the husband getting kicked out in those days mm-hmm. and the husband would be half drunk and you know, just had this big meal and he's you know and you knock on the door hi Judd guess what you don't live here anymore I'm kicking you out what do you mean You're, you have 20 minutes get your stuff wait this is my house you know you get that whole thing so it was interesting and then of course the general rural law enforcement was very interesting and very different from urban law enforcement I'm guessing well.
1: that those aren't the situations you were really thinking of when you decided to to get into law enforcement. No, it was, that's probably not I, why you got in. I mean, into I it. was like
3: a wide eyed, you know, kid. I mean, I'm just learning all this. It was fascinating. There was a whole world I knew, knew did not know existed. I, I did decide at some point in time that I, I wanted to be a police chief or a sheriff. I wanted to be the guy at the top. Hmm. That's and an I ambition. Be- yeah, so I began kind of looking around the sheriff's department. It just wasn't going to happen. And so I ended up getting a job at the Vacaville Police Department as a captain, the number two guy, oh. which is very rare for to come in. Out from outside a department as the number two person. But for some reason, that's what they did. And had a great mentor there, Gary Tatum, great police chief, well-known in the nation, and really mentored me and encouraged me to become a chief. And then I tested, uh, the first test that came up was Napa. I didn't think I had a chance in heck to become the police chief. I was 37 years old. I tested. He said, no, I want you to do this. It's good for the experience. It's kind of your hometown anyhow. And by the way, I had lived in Napa since 1972. And so the whole time I worked at Solano... Or I, been I had well. lived in Napa. I was commuting. Is Diana, my wife, is from Napa, so she went to Napa High School. So oh, we had a house here. So I tested for Napa, and there's a long process and a lot of applicants. And pff, sure enough, I got the job. I as was chief. I
1: was as surprised as anybody. Yes. So you came in from outside. From as outside, the number yeah. one guy.
3: And actually, I was the youngest police chief in California at the time. I was 37 when I got hired. Wow. So anyway, congratulations. So it was fun and it was uh, interesting, and we had a lot of challenging times well, let,
1: let, I'd, I'd like to ask you about that if, if you don't mind you know you were there for 17 years and what what did you see as some of those challenges
3: well the 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 biggest challenge is always trying to mold the police department to become what you think it should become you know changing the culture of an organization is a very long Uh, and difficult process Mm -hmm. and of course i was young and impatient and and arrogant and and i you know i obviously knew the right way to go right yeah you anticipated
1: my next question did your youth uh, yeah get in the way it did i think it did
3: you know if i had to go back and do it again i would do it differently i see i wouldn't change the result that i wanted but i would have approached the process differently Hmm. i think i moved too fast uh and it created some issues. So that was, that was challenging. Unfortunately, I had some really difficult personnel issues that had to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. And that was always challenging. That's always difficult, you know, to take away people's jobs and, Uh and, you know, you go through a whole process in civil service organizations of hearings. And, you know, it was, quite stressful for everybody for the department for you know, the entire community and how some about ways. community
1: issues so yeah the,
3: the, that the biggest use? problem the the, the 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 thing that was the most difficult uh, and challenging i think of those was the gang issue that emerged here in napa in mm. the early 90s and it emerged quickly and we can almost trace it to one single individual really yeah uh, uh, who lived over in the area of lincoln and maine who was moved here from, well, thank you, Los Angeles, Los Angeles County Probation Department, who was oh, a I very see. active gangbanger down there and was, in those days, they still did the Greyhound Probation, what we used to call Greyhound Probation. You're creating a problem in our community, Judd, so we're going to put you on a bus and we're going to move you somewhere else. Mm. So I'm going to stick you in, in Podunk, Nebraska, sell you like that. Anyway, so
1: start gangs there and that's what they
3: do they recreate their environment and so that's when you started seeing this norteno x-14 stuff graffiti showing up right around that little intersection there Mm. and the person actually lived in the westwood area so that became sort of the beginnings of that group in the westwood area and then once that happened for a little while we didn't really you know know what to do about it at first and there were a couple of little gang skirmishes that started happening between people and we dealt with it like we would normally just incident by incident and then as we began to learn more about the the gang phenomena that was going on in america at that time uh we began adopting and adapting to that and began some other programs and then of course as soon as one side emerges someone comes in and decides they're going to become the other side so the other side shows up so then the bad stuff really started happening we had you know drive-by homicide Uh, in one weekend in napa we had 11 shootings and uh, people in the community went berserk. I mean, the community just was sure. frightened, uh, and I don't blame them. Rightfully so. I mean, this this drive-by homicide occurred beautiful little residential community on Brown Street. You know, it was kind of an emerging community that was just new new families had bought homes there we're trying to renovate them and and all of a sudden here's gunshots and cars screaming by and a guy laying there on the street so it was traumatic Uh, we we did some community meetings and hundreds of people showed up angry and scared and uh, we got some great insight on how to sort of manage that ultimately what happened was we put together a countywide plan and it was very successful. Uh, it actually worked. We actually stopped the violence for quite some time, and it was so successful that we ended up traveling. I went around all over the state uh, talking about how we developed the plan, uh, what, Im- what elements it had, and why we think it worked, and, and the other communities started adopting the NAPA plan, and it worked pretty much everywhere that, it, that they had resources to implement it. The bad side of it is once the problem begins to diminish, the funding for the resources go away, yeah, yeah. and then it comes back. Sure. So you you have to be vigilant, and we've seen it ebb and flow here, even since I've been retired. I retired in '04, and I've seen it you know get nasty for a while, and then yeah. they'll start implementing some programs again and getting on it. And you have to be vigilant, and then it sort of goes underground, but it's always there. It's a part of American culture now. I mean, we had I mean, if you think about it, gangs are the American history. the The Sons of Liberty in 1776 were a gang. Mm. They were a youth gang. I mean, they had all of the elements of the Nortenos or Serenios. They yeah. were young kids who were angry, and they dressed up in costumes. They had symbols, they had colors, and they went out and they went to, to the Boston Tea Harbor and they threw tea in the in the in the bay. And I mean, it was a youth gang. I mean, they, we ended up becoming the United States of America because that. So it's a, very much a part of our culture. And then every immigrant group that comes to America ever since has always formed some sort of gang for protection for inclusion for feeling a part of something part of something because they felt left out you know i mean whether it was the the jewish gangs in new york in the 1800s or the italian gangs or the the hispanic gang oh i mean almost any immigrant group the 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 southeast asian gangs after the vietnam war when that influx of that community was was brought here so it's very normal it it makes absolute sense i mean if you were thrust here from some country and you were treated poorly and 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 discriminated against and felt that you weren't a part of the culture you're going to start looking for People look just like you and sound just like you. Oh, sure, that's and have the same experience. Say, hey, uh, Lauren, uh, you, you're kind of going. You're kind of going through the same thing I am. Let's hang out. That's your basic and then pretty soon, right hangs out, and then pretty soon, Fred hangs out, and then yeah. and pretty soon, we've got a little gang, and we we start getting power and respect. And I, I'll just close the gang discussion with this: the the best thing I used to go to the juvenile hall and talk to the gang members because I was fascinated with this. And I asked this one kid, and it was the most prophetic thing I think the best lesson was, I said, what is this all about? He knew nothing about the history of the Norteños or Serenios. Knew nothing about how that started with the Nuestra Familia and any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he knew what he was about. And I said, what is this thing about? Why do you, he was happened to be a Norteño. I said, why do you hate the Serenios? And he, said, he kind of thought for a minute and he said, Chief, it's about respect. Mm. And that's what it's about. respect and a lot of these kids have never been shown respect yeah they've never learned how to give respect all they know about is power and control and how to get it and that's a lesson I think for the community is it's really about respecting other cultures and respecting everybody Uh, and if you can do that as a community you're not going to have these kinds of problems as much as if you just you know let people uh, have their own devices and, and be in the shadows so anyway, that was interesting. I never forgot that kid's face. So that was the gang story.
1: That's the gang story. <laughs> we do have to take a break right now. We're here with Dan Monez, actor, singer, former police chief of Napa. Lauren, would you like to talk us out? We'll be back in just a few minutes. We'll be back with more of Judd's
2: Napa Valley Show right after these messages. La 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 la. la. Everyone's a finkle friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa, and streaming live in Boston at KVON.com, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. Boston, eh? Boston, yes.
1: Fantastic. Absolutely. Wicked good, as they say. Yes. Anyone, from anywhere, Boston, Houston, Reno, any of those cities you've mentioned in the past, can listen to this show by going to www kvon.com and streaming it live or going to the itunes store and hearing past episodes in podcast format by just searching judd's napa valley show isn't that right lauren Mole?
2: absolutely you know you couldn't have been more right about that
1: thank you sir our guest today is dan Mones. he is the former chief of police here in napa and he is the current star of the musical stage Lauren is giving me hand signals. What does that mean? You're doing the robot? No, I'm putting my
2: hands up. He's got up. his hands up. Oh, he's praising. <laughs> oh, he's, oh, he's giving no, up. No, I think he was giving oh, up. Oh, yeah. I see. Oh,
1: it's the space work. It's, it's improv <laughs> space work. You give up. Chief of police so is all here. Your radio folks. I thought maybe you were doing the robot. Then I thought maybe you were praising him. But no, you're <laughs> Actually, saying, no. You're saying, I give up. You can cuff me. Uh, we talked a little bit about your police work. Let's talk about some other things. Let's talk about the artistic side of Dan Mones. Mm-hmm. When did this acting bug grab you? It
3: uh, grabbed me in a very unusual way. I was the police chief in Napa,
1: and some friends of mine uh,
3: were a part of the former Dreamweavers Theater Company. Sure, yeah. And they were doing a show called Mr. Roberts, which if you know that play is all men. It's a bunch of Navy guys on a boat. There's one yeah. woman in the cast and in community theater in particular, but in theater in general, you have a hard time finding men for roles. A lot of women audition. I go to auditions and there might be 50 women and six guys. It just, guys just don't do theater. And so especially younger, you know, like 30 to 40 year old guys. And so they couldn't find enough men to do the show. Hmm. And a friend of mine, uh, Jay Jacobson, who worked for the city of Napa at the time, uh, called me he said dan come on you know you do radio i was doing radio and i was doing some tv stuff uh, as the police chief because you, yeah. you're, you're comfortable in front of a microphone you can do this it's easy <laughs> sure it's there's no, not a talking part you just come on stage you'll be a sailor swab the deck and it'll be fun and okay and so we, was... otherwise he says we can't do the show we're, we're missing we have to have at least one more sailor and i didn't want to do it and he begged me and finally i said okay fine i'll do it so i talked to diana and she said yeah well go ahead and give it a try so i did it well as it turns out the guy that played one of the major roles if you know the movie there was a chief of the boat. Uh, okay. And uh, uh, Ward Bond played that role in the movie. His name mm-hmm. was Dowdy. And it was a fairly major role, it wasn't star role, but it was a supporting su- yeah. supporting role. Anyway, the guy got very, very ill and had to drop out, oh. and so they said, "You're, you know, you're it." I said, what do you mean? I mean, I don't know how to do lines, or I didn't know, I don't had no training, I don't know what you're talking, you know, what am I doing here? <laughs> so they talked me into That's it. That's nightmare and material was, right there. It was, it was. Cold sweats exactly. and all that. Exactly, of... and so I ended up doing it, and that was probably horrible, but I got bitten by the bug. And You're probably your good at
1: dealing with stress because yeah, of your job, right?
3: Yeah, I don't know, it was stressful. Yeah, I mean, it was nothing, nothing was as stressful as that. Really? Uh, yeah, I'd rather face a, a mob of angry Berkeley protesters than, <laughs> than that audience that first night. Anyway, so I, I got bitten by the bug, I thought, this is real fun i like the people at Dreamweavers, and so i started doing shows there and then i started studying more about acting and and took some improv training and just really enjoyed it and uh, i since then i've done a lot of shows and then after i retired i was doing about one or two shows a year when i was the police chief because that's all i really could have time so you for. were
1: acting uh yeah while you were also i was yeah acting I as was, police chief yes yeah.
3: yes and um uh, at Dreamweavers, only Dreamweavers, just doing community theater, not paid stuff. And then when I retired I thought, you know, I I really that's what I really enjoy doing, it's what my passion is. Uh, I'm going to start doing this professionally. So I got an agent and started doing theater outside of Napa professionally where I get paid for it. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And then just a few years ago, I thought, you know, when I was getting ready to turn, well, I just turned 60. I said, you know, I've kind of always liked to sing in the shower, but I've never sang (laughs) with my clothes on. So I wonder how that works. So I went to a good friend, well, a guy that's now a good friend, Andrew Moore, who's a very good voice teacher. And I said, Andrew, you know, can you just evaluate me? give me a couple of sessions and if i'm no good tell me i don't have a chance because i'll i'm open to that so we did and he goes no you i think i can work with you i said okay so we did and we did lessons and i auditioned for my first show which was jesus christ superstar i played king herod great role comedic role but fun and vocally challenging and um He's one that to,
1: has the tune. It's kind of like yes, an old vaudeville yes, kind of sounding. Yes, yes, yes.
3: So you are the Christ, the great Jesus Christ. Right, it's kind of snappy. Proof to me, that you're no fool. Walk across my swimming pool. Yeah, yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> so, and yeah, and I did it as a <laughs> and I did it as a a Vegas uh, washed up Vegas star. Oh. So I had this gorgeous weird jacket on, mm-hmm. and a cocktail uh, martini glass, and a, and a golf club, and I did the whole kind of Dean Martin sort of. It was it was fun. So then I just started doing musicals, and uh, started getting paid for them, and, uh, and I've been doing that ever since. Every once in a while, I will do a drama. I'm doing a drama right now, but I do love comedies, I do love dramas, and I do love musicals, and I've done some amazing, fun musicals, and I've got a little bucket list now of shows I definitely want to do before I quit, you know, and it's fun.
0: Oh! Huh?
1: That sound means it's time for our lightning round, Dan Monez. We're going to name, in no particular order, just some of the productions you've been in. And we want you, as quick as you can, rattle off a line, do the character, sing a tune, whatever it might be. You just gave us a little Jesus Christ Superstar, so you've already got one point. Oh, boy. We'll count that. All right. Camelot.
3: Camelot. Well, let's see. Uh, I played Mer- Merlin the Magician. Mm-hmm. I didn't sing a song in that, uh, so it was not a, a singing role. And uh, gosh, uh, I, got, I got bewitched by a beautiful nymph. <laughs> okay. That was fun. <laughs> if, you, if You've never lived until you've been bewitched by a nymph, I'll tell you right I'm, now. I'm, I'll, I'll be out the door today
1: <laughs> looking for a nymph to be bewitched by. Funny girl
3: funny girl i played john the um stage manager in the first production they're in funny girl right now they're doing another production of it over in santa rosa mm-hmm. different cast uh, a little bit different staging and see i did not say well i did sing in that i sang gosh uh something street baker's not baker street oh boy this is tough You know, after you do these shows, they just leave your mind. Anyway, I did sing a song, a couple of songs with the rest of the cast, but I don't remember the name
1: of the song. I saw the production, and it was was a great production.
3: And we had a great dance number, and I've got some great photos doing
1: it. You were very good in it. Uh, How about Annie Get Your Gun?
3: Annie Get Your Gun, that was a fun role. I played Sitting Bull.
1: Oh, you were Sitting Bull? I
3: was Sitting Bull. and had this amazing costume that was... (laughs) <laughs> I, the headdress was an absolute replica of Sitting Bull's actual headdress. Oh. It was gorgeous. <clears throat> and so, yeah, so from the moment I walked on the stage, my people just roared because it just was, it just, especially people that knew me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I had to do for that show was I had to be completely clean shaven, you know, because oh, yeah. Native Americans typically don't have beards and mustaches. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, i never seen me without at least a mustache. So that was a little fun. But yeah, yeah I did not sing in that song and in, in that show. Just, I'm
1: sure uh, you looked pretty sharp. All right. here's the one I'm really interested in and I'm not sure why what it says about me but The Full Monty.
3: The Full Monty. I played a number of characters in that. I was an ensemble player and did not was not one of the Monty boys. Did not take off my clothes. Okay. Well, actually I take that back. I did do a little strip. There was one character I did who was trying out to be a Monty guy. He was kind of a he was an older guy. He was desperate cuz the story is are these unemployed steel workers are trying to make money so they decide to do a strip show. Yeah. Well, He's unemployed, too, so he, he does audition. So I do this horrible strip sh- strip tease down to my boxer shorts to uh, Heartbreak Hotel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you did not have to go the full Monty. Did so. not have
3: to go the full Monty, and the audience was very happy about that. <laughs> 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 that was an interesting show. I, I, you never know how an audience is going to react, because they did go the full Monty. I mean, they were, Oh, they did? They, that, oh, yes. The audience just loved it. The okay. older the audience, the better they loved it. It was really interesting.
1: I I can imagine. You know, many yeah, I mean, it, was,
3: it was well done. It was. I mean, there's there's. You only. It's very quick. When they do the full monty, when the the full monty folks, if you don't know, that's total frontal nudity with these guys. Uh, it's very quick, and when they drop the final cover, it lasts maybe a second, and then the lights go completely black. So you're oh, not even sure you quick. saw what you think you saw. Oh, okay. And yeah, it's very quick. It was very well done, and uh, we got rave reviews for the show.
1: Congratulations! Awesome. I'll tell you. Many years ago, uh, my wife took me to see a show. We were in Los Angeles at the time. She said, "I've heard this is really funny," and it was that show, puppetry of the. Aha! Uh-huh, yes, uh, you uh, can yes. You say it on the air. Puppetry yeah. of the penis. Yes. And ba- the the whole show is two completely naked guys yep. doing, yep. tricks with you know yes. what. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I was gripping basically <laughs> the seat of the the arm, the arm of the seat the whole time. But looking around, I noticed the demographic. Yeah was not necessarily this young, hip crowd. It was a lot of older ladies coming from what looked like, like ladies' night yeah, out. Yeah, older uh, hip ladies. Yeah, yeah, like you know my, mm-hmm. my grandma age. And yeah, it was really They good were hooting and hollering because, and like, loving the, it. The
3: front rows usually were filled with the Monty when we did the Monty. The f- first couple of rows generally were 80%, 90%, you know, very old older women, much older yeah. women. And I... My character in that last scene, when they do the strip, the final strip, I, I'm actually in the audience. And I was watching them, and it was so cute watching them. They were like children again. They were like little girls again. They were poking each other and elbowing each other, at, <laughs> you know, hee And it was just really darling watching their faces become young watching the show. And that's the beauty of theater. It, it yeah. transforms you to a place and time different than where you are currently. And it, that's, that's the beauty of it and, and the magic of theater, I think.
1: It's wonderful. If you can certainly let yourself have that suspension of disbelief and enter that world, it's an incredible experience. So what's happening now? You're doing Dracula? I've been rehearsal for
3: Dracula, and that's talking about a new experience. This is going to be a, you know, everybody, the problem with Dracula is everybody knows the story. Yeah, uh, They know what happens at the end. They know the character. I mean, they've seen the movies with Bela Lugosi and others. So the challenge is always when you do a stage show of Dracula is to make it fresh and new and scary and, and different. And we're really going to try to do that with this show. It's over at Silver Moon Theater in Sonoma at the Sonoma uh, Theater Alliance Theater uh, at Andrews Hall. It's a great little theater, very intimate, 100 seats, uh, not a bad seat in the house. mm and we're going to transform you to a time, a different time and place. From the time you walk in the door, you'll know something's different. Oh. Um, the theater is going to look different. It's going to feel different. Uh, we've got some special effects that are amazing, and the audience will hopefully be transformed. to This is the. By the way, this script is not the Victorian script. This is the script that Bela Lugosi starred in on Broadway. It's the script that made him famous. Huh. He barely spoke English when he was cast on Broadway. He came over from, I believe, Hungary. I think he's Hungary. <clears throat> and uh, Barely spoke English and auditioned for this role. They loved his accent, and they hired him basically because of this bizarre accent. And so he did the stage role for a while, and then some Hollywood producer saw him and said, you know, I'm going to do a movie of this, and I want that guy. And that was the rest of his career was was that. So this is that script. So it's an older Dracula. I play Dr. Seward, who's the father of the girl that Dracula is after, not the boyfriend. So it's a little different script, and it takes place in the 1920s. So, okay. it's not the Victorian a little bit later. Bram Stoker kind of version. So, Where does it yeah. take place? It takes place in, in London. In London. And so, it is in you London. Didn't move There's, that. No, Carfax is still okay. Carfax. The sanitarium gotcha. is still there. And I'm Dr. Seward. I run the sanitarium. And Renf- we have a great Renfield, who's uh, the madman, which sure. is, I think, the star of the show. That's actually the role I auditioned for. I really wanted Renfield.
1: But oh, yeah. Everyone wants Renfield. Yeah, I mean, I would have will- I'm
3: willing to shave my head. I'll do whatever I want to do this role. But <laughs> really? Anyway, didn't get it. But I'm happy doing Seward.
1: What else would you shave your head to do? I would do
3: just about anything to do some roles. I mean, I have a bucket list of roles. I'd love to do Daddy Warbucks. Oh, Annie. that's a good yeah. That's. Uh, uh, Lauren, would
1: you like to give a line from Annie? Lauren was just in uh, I know he was. Annie as FDR. I know. Can you give us a little something from Annie?
2: Criticism, darn it. Nothing but criticism on the radio. My friends, I say again, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Bravo,
1: All right, bravo. FDR, bravo. Hey. <laughs> is there a type of role that you go for, uh, Dan? Is there something that you, a type of character that you really liked portraying? It's or?
3: Not, there's not a particular type of character. I, I like to do something that's different, something that's very different from me. I do like playing evil person, evil, evil people. Oh. And I really enjoyed, I did play a role uh, in, the, in the show Proof where I was mentally ill, and if you know that show. It's a it's a story about a, a uh, mathematical genius mm-hmm. and his daughter, yeah. and he has schizophrenia. I and I've studied about it, and I've I've always been sort of fascinated with that mental illness, anyhow, because it's such an awful thing. And that was very liberating to uh, absolutely lose it on. There's this one scene where he he begins to decompose on stage. Mm. He just he's he's maintaining, it and then all of a sudden he just loses it. And that was very liberating to finally be able to let everything go. I mean, you know. Pardon my graphics, but snot running out of my nose and Uh. just not caring, just becoming this free uh, spirit on stage was very liberating. So I like those kinds of things where I can just really stretch myself. And I love directors who push me Mm. to do things. I had a great director for that show. It took a while to get that out of me. I mean, I'm, you know, being a cop, you have a lot of walls around you. Right. don't show your feelings. You know, you're not supposed to show your feelings. And so that was a real process for me as I started acting was learning to bring down those walls and being vulnerable. And and then the other thing, for for guys especially, your wife will appreciate this even if you don't, Judd, (laughs) is that uh, men don't listen very well. Typically when 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 someone else is talking, we're really not listening, we're waiting them to stop talking so we can say what we have to say and so acting is listening i didn't know that i thought acting was waiting for the other person to shut up and then you say your lines mm. and then the other person shuts up and then you say you know well right. i learned the hard way that that's not what acting is so it helped me to be a better listener and again just to kind of be a little more vulnerable and and, and try to be a little more intuitive than maybe i was before so it's it's
1: therapeutic in a lot of ways I can't wait to check out your doctor Seward off come see <laughs> <laughs> come see how that works out. yeah um, he's
3: pretty frantic. I mean his daughter's being courted, if you will by Dracula by so thing? he's pretty freaked out, but it's what uh, is it's this fun. you
1: brought? I see something on the uh
3: well, right. I was going to offer this. This is a, a great new skill. I know a lot of people like to learn new things. I, you know, as I said, I learned singing at age sixty. So, cool. um, I, a lot of people like to juggle. I know you like magic and, and things like that, sleight of hand. So, juggling's hard. I've tried to learn it. I cannot learn to juggle. So, this is a, <laughs> a an absolute guaranteed way to learn how to juggle. It's yeah. called Juggling for Dummies. Okay. And uh, I'm happy to give it away on your show right here on KBO 1440.
1: Oh, this this is okay. This is this is to give away, gang. Would you like to get your hands on Judd's goodies? Dan has brought here. This is a it's a bean bag. It's a cube. It's bean a cube. bag.
3: It's very lovely. It's got uh, multiple colors: red and white and dots. And it's a, a little cube, like a big die. Yeah, uh, like a half of a pair of dice. And you can juggle because it's only one. It's only one. Easy. So you throw it up. And you catch it. I He's juggling, juggling on the radio right juggle. now. Look gang. at this, folks! Amazing. This is amazing.
1: Even I can do this. If you would like to have this juggling for dummies beanbag cube, look at that. Lauren's compliments of it. Dan Mones and uh, as juggled by Lauren Mole here on the radio. It also
3: works as a great paperweight, <laughs> and you can play with your cat with it.
1: You could maybe be a hacky sack. Yeah, the cat. Hacky sack. Yeah. Here's all you have to do: get on your phone. It, it, not if you're driving though. Please, not no, if you're driving. No, no, get, please pull over. Hands please free. pull over. Hands free. Otherwise, you'll get a ticket. If at your, if you're at your computer or you have your phone, get on Twitter. All you have to do is tweet with the uh, hashtag JNVS Jud's Napa Valley Show. So get on Twitter, then tweet. Getting my hands on Judd's goodies, hashtag JNVS. You can put at Judd's Hill on there, too. It'll get to me real quick. First one to do that gets this. I'll bring it back to the winery, Judd's Hill. will have it for a few days. You can come pick it up. As long as you're on Twitter while you're on there. We're going to do a little improv. Dan right. is, is a trained improvisational actor, comedian. So we need a, how about somebody tweet me a profession and somebody tweet a location. And we're going to go with that. Ready?
3: Profession and a location.
1: Yep. And let me check, see if any... Amazing. Amazing. Technology. Here we are. Dan, we here, all of us three, Lauren, Dan, me. we are Arctic Explorers in Miami Beach. Ah. In Miami Beach. Take it away. All right. Uh, any ice, Lauren? Any ice? Uh, no sign of ice yet. Whoa. Nope. No ice. It's Miami Beach. What are you talking about? I told you we should have turned left at Albuquerque. Yeah, I'm terrible at improv. Well, that was... <laughs> that was it.
2: <laughs> hey, I, I, I thought I told you
1: to turn left on the freeway. <sighs>
3: I can't take you anywhere.
1: Yeah. Speaking of magic, what you did earlier, you did a little magic. You you mentioned to me the other day when I saw you over at the the winery that you used to do a magic show when you were a oh, when I was a little kid, I was yeah. fascinated
3: with. I'm still fascinated with magic. My and this is funny because my wife generally doesn't like magic, and you guys ended up getting her up on stage Sunday at the Juds Hill event yeah. to be a part of the magic show, which I was. I had gone to get a glass of wine I'd come back. My wife's on stage <laughs> doing a magic. What the heck? She hates magic. Anyway, she loved your magician and, and loved doing it. But, Timothy James, yes, by the, yes, the good way, good guy. He was fantastic. And when I was a kid, I was fascinated with it and i got the books and you know the little thing you get out of the back of the comic books learn to do magic and throw your voice and all those things you know <laughs> and uh, so i had this trunk the great roberto was my name and then i changed it a little later to the great volo and i don't know where i got volo but that became sort of my moniker mm. um even up through almost high school and so I just had this box this old trunk beat up old steamer trunk and I had all these tricks and stuff in it you know rope tricks and things I wasn't good Uh, no one ever trained me I just read a couple of little books and saw pictures and stuff but But you had I even have a magic show I mean a magic uh, box of the magic tricks at home that's fairly new with card tricks and stuff yeah so I used to entertain my nieces and nephews and you know stuff like
1: that do shows I used to do shows also as a kid we did the junior high RLS up in St. Helena their talent show and then we used to put on magic shows I was Isidore the Great was my magician name I was the straight man And then my assistant was the, the funny guy oh, We funny. called him Captain Mike And he was <laughs> this goofball that wore this aviator helmet And we...
3: So you did it for the public? Yeah, and, we oh, do wow. shows up nice. on the uh,
1: His father was the uh, priest at the Episcopal Church oh. in St. Helena So we'd use their lawn and uh, It was a lot of fun Yeah, I've got to ask you an important question here Maybe it's an obvious question Maybe it's too easy knowing your, your former career But do you go nuts for donuts?
3: You know, I love cinnamon rolls i love cinnamon rolls i love uh goodies oh my gosh what has he got here
1: it's a pink box that's That's a big pink pink box box full of donuts holy
3: smart he's also got my second favorite one in here which is that which is the maple old-fashioned
1: maple old-fashioned the most popular donut on this show that maple old-fashioned is yours now you've got about 10 seconds i want you to improv a scene a 10 second scene with that donut and go
3: I, well, it's a visual. I can see improv is so visual. It's hard to do this on the radio. I was going to wear this as a little sailor hat, and I'm matey. I, I'm a part of the Maple
1: Brigade. Are we on? The,
3: how are the How are the cinnamon rolls? Roll them in. Roll them in. Roll them in. Roll, them in, roll those cinnamon rolls, Lauren.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Monez improving with a donut. And by the way, that did look like a little sailor cap maple on your
3: syrup, head. Sure, maple's frosting all over my head.
1: Yeah, but well, you're going to have hungry <laughs> Canadians following you around all day. And now it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show.
2: This is Uh Mad Libs.
1: That's right. Dan, you know how this game goes. You're good at improv. I'm going to ask you to fill in some blanks. Are you ready? Yes, you are. Here we go. First thing I need is a geographic location.
3: (laughs) Um, How about uh, under the couch?
1: Okay. (laughs) Under the couch. Great. That's a geographic location. A verb ending in ing.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, hope this doesn't happen to you, but stalking.
1: Ooh, stalking, yeah. I hope that doesn't happen either. A plural noun. Ants! Ants! No, no, there are ants on this table. Oh, Oh, that donut, you're getting Ah. crumbs everywhere. Okay, ants. An adjective. Slippery. Slippery, that's a fun one. A number, could be any number. Uh, Six. The number six. And finally, a plural noun.
3: Wrenches.
1: Wrenches. I like the way that sounds. Wrenches. Wrenches. All right, Dan. Earlier today I got online and found your bio, mm-hmm. which you have now just rewritten via this <laughs> Mad Lives Game. Are you ready? Right, I'm ready. Here we go. <clears throat> Dan Mones was born and raised just over the Napa County line. Under the couch. (laughs) Dan's family were third-generation Solano County farmers and grew up stalking in the orchards. Ooh, Creepy. (laughs) And selling ants in his family's many fruit stands. (laughs) It's very entrepreneurial. Yes. It was during these formative years that Dan began his fascination with police work. He recalls the many sheriff's deputies and highway patrolmen who would stop by the fruit stands to have a glass of slippery apple cider <laughs> and visit with his mom. Dan became a Berkeley police officer. Oh, yeah, I've, I missed one. I've all All right, pretend you didn't hear that. Give me a year, any year, now that you know what it is, but give me any 1712. Year. 1712. Okay, I'm going to start over. <laughs> Dan became a Berkeley police officer in 1712. Oh. <laughs> you look good for your age. Not bad, huh? And went on to complete... Six years as a peace officer, 17 of which as p- <laughs> chief of police in the city of Napa. Uh, Dan's wife of almost 42 years, Diana, is active in the community as well. Oh, as well. And in 2002, both were selected as Napa County's Wrenches of the Year. <laughs> Good thing I didn't say winches. Huh? Yeah. And by the way, that's actually Volunteers of the Year. Congratulations oh, on that. That's thank great. You. Dan Mones, star of the stage, actor, dancer, singer, and former police chief of the city of Napa. I want to thank you very much for sitting down with us. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun.
3: Come out and see Dracula.
1: Looking forward to Sonoma. it. Sonoma. Where do folks get tickets?
3: SVB.org. Sonomavalleyboxoffice.org.
1: And while you're online, go to Lucky Penny. Yes. Which is their uh, website, is Lucky
3: Luckypennynapa.org.
1: Great, another theater group. This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's
2: Napa Valley Show, a Lamar production. Judd's <laughs> Napa, Napa Valley <laughs>
3: Show. <laughs>